Early uh, in the year, I had really had, last year, I had this other series planned for January, but as the, the towards the end of the year progressed on, I really began to feel the Lord impressed upon my heart to be able to share with you what I'm going to share with you today and over the next four weeks. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 26, verse 41, and this is going to be our anchor verse for today as we get into this new series that we're believing the Lord is going to speak to us through. If you're new here, um, I want you to be encouraged to take some notes. Maybe you don't know what that means. is to write down what the Lord is saying to you as you're hearing the word of God uh, proclaimed to you and, and just expounded upon. Amen. Uh, I believe that if we take notes during the, during the Sunday service, it encourages us throughout the week as we pray and reflect on what God is saying. Amen. Amen. Matthew 26, verse 41 from the ESV. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm going to read that again because it's so short. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I remember as a young boy, I had the privilege of, of being with my mother and father while the rest of my siblings were in school for about two years. We're all two years apart, so they were in school. And I'll never forget, my father, he struggled with his weight, and so did my mom, and they were a part of this thing called Weight Watchers. Anybody know about Weight Watchers here? You don't have to say anything, just be like, hmm. Some of y'all never been to the Weight Watcher program, but you've been watching your weight for a long time, amen. Watching it go up, watching it go down maybe, I don't know. But I know that my father and my mother, they always were on this Weight Watcher flex, and they would be at the grocery store, and they'd be sitting there, eating there. They had this little spinning wheel to calculate your points and all this stuff, and, and some of you were like, yeah, I know what that's talking about. And, and the whole point was to create a caloric deficit so you could lose weight, but my father always laughed because it never really worked for him. And I'll never forget getting kicked out of one of the Weight Watcher meetings with my parents because my dad started singing a song about being a fatso, because he hadn't lost any weight. And him and my mom were chuckling in the back, and they were laughing. And I just remember the lady, Mr. Burgos. And uh, I, I just remember this idea of, of them watching their weight all the time. And, 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 and they watched, watched, watched. But the, the joke for them was that it just never worked for them. The question becomes for you, what are the things in your life that you're watching that might not be working for you? What are the things that you're putting your focus and your heart on? in this season of your life that maybe aren't producing the most fruit in your life. And I say that because in this day and age that we live in, there's nothing more needed than a church and believers filled with the Spirit of God to be watchful in their lives. I don't know if you realize things used to be weird, now it's just wicked. There's a wickedness rising up in our nation, in our culture, in our society a wickedness of, of just an agenda against our families, our children, our faith, and everything that you might hold dear to you. All of your values, all of your virtues are out the window lately. Everywhere you look, there's wickedness. And I feel like we're getting to that, you know, Genesis 6 days of Noah, where every thought and intention of the heart of man was just wickedness. Everywhere you look, there's pornographic content, there's sexual content. Our children are being sexualized. Our children are being taught things in school that we didn't learn until you were midway through high school. Some of you graduated high school and still ain't know the stuff your three-year-olds and five-year-olds know. 
They're in kindergarten being taught sex education and every other gender this, gender that, and all. And I don't care where you stand on these spectrums, and I don't care what your feelings is. The Bible says that he made them male and female. But everything in our society is teaching our children contrary to what we've been known as fact. But the issue is, is that many of us are too busy to be watchful of what's happening in the lives of our children, our community, our families. And there is a wickedness that is gripping society. And we're staying quiet half the time in, in an effort to be politically correct, but we're like silent lambs to the slaughter. And Jesus has called us to be lights in the darkness, not to be people who are willing to allow everybody around you to fall into every which way of sin and never speak to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could there be any instruction from the Lord in the scripture in regards to how to deal with the issues of today? It's no secret that the times are getting darker and more wicked and the, uh, the sinful agenda of the world is everywhere and things are masquerading as righteousness that are not right. From the political system to the school system to the local politics, pervasive wickedness is pressing in on every side. But yet some of us are so blinded to it because we're after this pursuit of a life of just goodness. There's a blindness gripping so many of us, and there's an apathy within the church. Apathy meaning a, a, a just being indifferent towards the things of God and towards sin in your life. We look at the sinfulness of society and we shake our heads, but should we be doing something more than shaking our head and posting on social media about what you think the right thing is to do? Could there be more that God is asking you to do? Each and every one of you, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, if you have family and friends and loved ones who are in desperate need of God's deliverance, who need deliverance from demonic influence, who need the saving grace of Jesus Christ, many of you would raise your hand. I know a plethora of people, Pastor, in my surrounding who need Jesus, who are lost. Never before in the history of the church has there been such a need for the body of Christ to be on the walls of intercession and to be what we would call watchmen on the wall of prayer. Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray. I want to share with you over the next four weeks the idea on this topic called the watchman. What does it mean to be a watchman in the house of God and for my life and for my community and for others? And you may ask the brilliant question, well, what is a watchman? The watchman is an individual in the times of the Bible who would stand on the wall of a city in a high tower, and his job was to watch for messengers, for enemies, for friends. He would watch for anything he saw, and he would cry out the moment he saw something, good or bad. He would cry out and warn those within the city. He would begin to warn them, and if there was an enemy approaching, they would lock the city down. If there was a friend approaching, they would open the gates. The point being is the watchman was responsible for everybody inside the city. The scripture would even say if the watchman doesn't cry out and the city is destroyed, then the blood of the people who are killed is on the hands of a watchman. Could it be that God is raising up the church to be watchmen in this region, in this area? 
In the scripture, we see God raising up spiritual watchmen in the Old Testament called prophets. And prophets' job and the watchman's job in those days would be to correct Israel when they were living in sin. And he would call them back to righteousness and holiness and remind them of the covenant they had with God. The covenant being the agreement the people and the nation had made with God. Listen to Ezekiel 3.17. Son of man, this is God talking. I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. We see it over and over that God raised up watchmen. Now, in the verses that we read in Matthew 26, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He is about to be betrayed by Judas. He's about to be betrayed by all of his disciples. He's about to go to the cross and pay the ultimate price. And this is where Jesus is praying that famous prayer, not my will, but your will. But if it be possible, pass this cup from me, Father. And so Jesus, he goes to this inner circle with his disciples, and he goes and he says to them, watch and pray with me. And I love that Jesus is a watchman in the garden because the first watchman we find is actually in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. In Genesis 2, 4, the Bible says that, that God did not allow for the fruitfulness of the earth to come forward because there was not a man to tend it or keep it. And then in verse 15, he, the Bible says he puts the man, Adam, in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And that word keep in the Hebrew has one definition, to watch and to observe. So Adam is the first watchman. Here's what God says. I will not allow fruitfulness in my kingdom until there's watchmen on the wall. I will not allow for the things of my spirit to come forward until somebody is watching to observe it and to call my people to it. So here is Jesus back in the garden where the first watchman failed and he's being on watch. He's watching and praying. It's a redemption of the process of a watchman. It's the redemption of the office of a watchman. There's the priestly watchman. There's the, there's the, the, the prophetic watchman. Jesus is both of them put together. And here he is in the garden, and he's watching and praying. In verse 38, he says to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Watch with me. Here's point number one. I'm going to give you three points today on this topic. Here's point number one. Real simple. Jesus calls us to watch and pray. Jesus calls us to watch and pray. There's a command in Scripture in the New Testament, not just the Old, for us to be watchful as believers. Now, as a student of the Bible, you should never take one Scripture and try to build an entire ideology or teaching on it. But rather, you should look at the tapestry of Scripture and look at the mosaic of Scripture and glean from it as a total systematically approaching it that there is a bigger theme at hand here. And so with that in mind, look at Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, stay awake, a.k.a. be watchful. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. The idea of staying awake and being watchful is on, being on guard is continuous in the New Testament. Mark 13, 33, be on guard, keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. The theme is the same. Stay awake because you don't understand the hours in which you live. And there are many things coming your way that you have to be watchful for. Luke 21, 36, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape. Understand, stay awake, watch, and pray that you may have strength to escape all the things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Stay alert. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Paul rebuking the Corinthian church the way some of us men need to be rebuked. Be a man in the body of Christ. 
Stand up and be watchful. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert, a.k.a. be watchful with all perseverance, meaning push through whatever it takes to stay awake, making supplication for all the saints. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The enemy is looking to devour you, but your task is to be watchful. In the hood, we call it head on a swivel. (laughs) Ebonics. That's why when I go to a restaurant, call me crazy. I always sit with my Back to the wall, face forward. I want to see who's coming to that door. If I got my family with me, especially and the kids, not you guys. I want to sit up here. Daddy needs to sit here. Why? Because I'm the one who's strapped it. I'm the one going to save you. Something happen, girl. Being watchful, protective of my family. Protective. When you're in the car, watching everywhere. Being protective, not being over the top, just being. Some of y'all, God going to protect me. That's the problem you have. You have this, this false sense of security because of you think that God is just going to do it all for you. But here it tells us, be watchful. The question might arise in your heart, then, well, how do I be watchful? To be watchful means to be alert and mentally focused on the spirit while you pray. Being watchful means to be attentive to the issues of our day and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to minister about the issues of today through the scripture and that you will see there is nothing new under the sun and God will give you discernment on how to react as a believer to the issues of today, whether it be the agenda of sexualization of all of our culture, whether it be about hot button topics like abortion and everything else, the Lord will give you what you need if you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. To be watchful means to be intentionally sensitive and that when he gives you a word, you don't just hold it, you apply it and you release it to others. Being watchful means to spend time listening to God and not just praying with your, your list of needs. And, and I always challenge you in your prayer, don't lead with your need. Don't lead in prayer with your, don't close your eyes, oh God, I need you to. No, 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 no. Be thankful. Seek the Lord and then be quiet and Listen. To be watchful means to be vigilant, to be wide-eyed as you pray, awaiting the instruction of the Lord and not simply asking, asking, asking the Lord what you want, but asking him what is he doing in your area. To be watchful means to fine-tune what it means to hear God's voice so that when you hear it, you can boldly come with a confidence to know the Lord and to speak with his word. For some of you, that sounds daunting. Like, that's a lot, Pastor Lewis. You just said a lot. But I want to challenge you that it starts small. It starts with a little bit of faithfulness. It starts with you just being faithful to seek the Lord. Tell the person next to you, God's calling you to watch. Jesus is calling us to be watchful, to be prayerful, and to be mindful of what's happening. And here's why. Because as a watchman on the wall, your job is to warn those around you. Yeah. 
As a watchman on the wall, when you see wickedness coming, your job is to speak to those in your family who don't know Christ and to warn them about coming danger. Your job is to come in as a faith-filled believer and not give them doom and gloom, but to offer them the life that only Jesus can give. To not try to hook them with fear, but try to show them the faithfulness of God. That there's a need for them to come to him, to surrender their life, There's an urgency from the heart of God in this season that the church be watchful. Now, in verse 38, Jesus says to them, watch with me. But by the time it gets to verse 41, he says, watch for yourself. In verse 38, he's like, hey, watch with me. But when he recognizes, he comes back, and these jokers are sleeping. The most important time of Jesus' life, the hardest time he's ever had up to this point in his life. The book of Luke says that Jesus is bleeding blood. He's sweating blood as he prays. It was so bad and so much spiritual warfare that the Bible says that the Lord sent angels to minister to Jesus. But there's a watchfulness that he required of his disciples, and they fell asleep. And I digress for 10 seconds to let you know, don't worry, you have never fallen asleep during prayer. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, it is biblical. That one of the attacks of the enemy in prayer, one of the distractions, it is a spirit of slumber. I jokingly say the slumber demon got me. Being that you fell asleep while you're, and we try to make it pretty. I just fell asleep in the arms of God. Are there times that might happen? Yeah, but for some of you it's every time. I was just resting in God's presence and he just took me. We try to spiritualize, listen to me, we try to spiritualize laziness. We try to spiritualize a lack of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. We try to make it all right. And here's the thing. Jesus realizes these guys can't even be watchful for themselves. How the heck are they going to be watchful for me? He comes back, he's like, all right, you know what? Y'all should be watchful for yourself. That you don't fall into temptation. Because even as I'm talking about a watchman, some of you are asking yourself this question that I'm talking about. How can I watch for others when I can't even watch myself and I'm getting myself into a mess? And that's the part where nobody really wants to say amen because that would be indicting yourself. So you get more wide-eyed. You go, mmm. My father would say when you can't say amen, you can say ouch. Because many of us, we don't know how to be watchful for ourselves, let alone be watchful for somebody else. We can't get out of our own way. There is an apathy, an indifference, a worldliness, and a busyness gripping so many Christians who no longer have the bandwidth for God. They no longer have time for God. They got 85 minutes on a Sunday morning for God, and if he goes over, there's a problem. And we are watching the clock. Man, some of us come to that first service on purpose because we know they got two more to go. And you, you are looking at the watch. God, when is it going to be over? Uh, this is a great worship. I'm glad they're running. I'm glad these people are, are running around stopping. But I, listen, when that clock hits 12, I'm out. That's the mentality many of us have. Jesus has been replaced by, by your children's favorite sport on Sundays. Now my kid going to be a soccer star. And so we're going to take him to soccer on Sunday mornings and we ain't going to be at church. But we'll take him to basketball and baseball and everything else. And there's a compromise that has entered the body of Christ that you can't be watchful for yourself, let alone be a watchman in this spiritual season. 
Can I go there for a moment? I'm not trying to get on you, but I'm just trying to let you know the foolishness of our own actions. We can spend three hours at the movie theaters watching Avatar The Way of Water, but you can't spend 30 minutes knowing the way of the word. Am I saying you can't watch a movie? No, I'm just saying you should give equal attention to God that you do to your entertainment. That there should be in you a desire to seek the Lord as much as watching that next Netflix show. Is it wrong to sit and relax and have some fun and whatever? It is not at all, any way, shape, or form. But when entertainment becomes your altar, and you have nothing yet remaining for the Lord, they can spend hours entertaining without a moment interceding. That's a problem. There's an issue in our hearts. There's an apathy. Have you ever sat down and ate a real good meal? And maybe, maybe it was arroz con andules with totones and chuletas. Man. And then one of your friends brought the baked mac and cheese over. My God. With some real good collard greens. Oh, Jesus. And then now they do the whole... The whole, you know, you, the appetizers, all the charcuterie boards, and all the little cheeses. You felt fancy. I heard Dave Ramsey say that charcuterie is another word for adults. Adult Lunchables. <laughs> Whatever, Dave Ramsey. I love it. But then you sit down after you've eaten, and you're just like, ugh. And, and in, your, in your body, you just want to go to sleep. And you just want to take a little nap because you feel so good because you're nice and full. To the brim. That's how many of us, we live our life out filled with the world, ready to sleep on God. Unable, chasing careers, chasing successes, chasing the material, not realizing that if you seek God, he'll chase you with success. But you're chasing the success, leaving the Lord. And some of you are looking at me like, this guy is out of the, I ain't coming back to this church. Talking about my little junior, he going to be a baseball star. I just want to tell you, the word of God calls us to surrender to him, to give him his time, to watch and to pray, to run from sinfulness, to run from the ways of the world, and to walk in the spirit of God. But the issue of the watchman, and here's the thing you don't realize, is whether you like it or not, you're a watchman. Whether you like, Jesus commands you to watch and pray. So it would behoove you not to sit there and say, well, then if he's commanding me to do it, right, I should learn what it is. Here's point number two. And this is the issue for the watchman. The weakness of the watchman is the flesh. The weakness of the watchman is the flesh. He says the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is now, ironically, in this context, when Jesus says flesh, he's not talking about sinfulness. In the New Testament, many times talks about flesh. It means a sinfulness and a worldliness or carnality, but that's not what Christ is talking about. He's literally talking about the human frailty that when you close your eyes to pray, you want to take a nap. He's literally talking about a spiritual blindness due to a lack of knowledge that's not engaged directly in sinfulness, but still has an impact on your life. Because you've not done what the Lord has called you to do. In the Old Testament, we see it played out in Isaiah 56.10. The word of God says it like this, talking about God's watchmen. His watchmen are blind. Could you imagine putting a blind watchman? 
Why is there Braille in McDonald's drive-thru? Some stuff makes me wonder. Could you imagine the foolishness of a blind watchman? A blind watchman. He says, they're all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. That's many of us in the spirit. We're on our fifth dream, hoping God does something while you do nothing. You're lying down, loving to slumber, and you're okay being spiritually lazy because you're successful in this life. Not realizing that the successes of this life only last for this life. Is it wrong to be successful? Good God, no. Is it wrong to have great things? Good God, no. But do the things that you have have you or do you have them, number one? And number two, did God give them to you or did you chase after them for your own benefit? We have a generation of believers, believers, not worldly people, believers who are not discerning of the spirit of God. They can't hear the heart of God. They don't understand the time in which they live. They're the exact opposite of the sons of Issachar who knew what time it was and knew what to do. They're unmotivated by the things of God. They're lazy in the house of God, and they only want God to do for them, but they do not want God to do for others. And they have turned a blind eye to the wickedness of the world so that their friends don't cancel them. When in reality, there is a... Time and season right here, right now, where you need to overcome that weakness. Jesus says, I don't want you guys to fall into temptation. And here's the temptation he was talking about, to abandon him at his moment of greatest need. I've read commentary after commentary. He was talking about them abandoning him, the temptation to abandon him when the enemy came. For many of you, the challenge of the Lord is, is, is if you don't watch and pray, if you're not mindful of what the enemy is sending your way, you will find yourself falling into temptation. You see, the weakness of the watchman is the flesh. The weakness of the watchman is our human frailty. But I want to encourage you that you, that before you discount this sermon as not being for you because you ain't no prayer warrior and you ain't no watchman, I want to challenge you to listen to the word of God and then take inventory of your heart and realize that just because you have a level of prayer does not mean that you are praying at the level God told you to pray. But you need to be a watchful believer. To understand that God is raising you up in this season to watch for your neighbors, to watch for your coworkers, your cousins, your mother, your aunts, your family, to be mindful, to be watchful for your nieces and nephews. Maybe you don't got kids, but are you interceding for the kids in your family? Are you interceding for the kids of your siblings? Are you interceding for the kids and your cousins who have small children? Are you interceding for them because they are facing things that we have not faced at ages that we wouldn't think, we would think unfathomable when we were kids. That in this season, you would overcome the flesh to be able to be watchful in the spirit. Paul, the great apostle, he talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, this idea of putting your flesh into subjection. He says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Here's what he's saying. I make myself do the very things I'm telling you to do so that I don't want to be a preacher who preaches it, but in the end, I'm not doing it, and so I am disqualified. 
You have to push past the flesh. You have to set yourself in order. I was having a conversation with my oldest daughter, Aria, the other day. We were talking about the word discipline, and I was encouraging her to be more disciplined in some areas of her life. And she's like, you mean discipline like, like, like put myself on punishment? I'm like, well, not exactly. And I explained to her that not all discipline is punishment. Having a regimen of, of budgeting your resource and being disciplined is not punishing yourself. It's being mature. Got about seven amens. Eh, I don't know about that, right? Getting your health in order and getting your, your, your weight under the subjection that you wanted to be and going to the gym and working out and dieting, eating right, that takes some serious discipline. And it feels like a punishment, but it's really a reward for your life. So there are many things in your life that are disciplined but are not punishment. And Paul's saying, discipline yourself. Get your life under subjection, under control, because reminding yourself that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And that those who lack self-control might have really a lack of the Spirit issue. But that you put your flesh and your carnal mindset into subjection. You see, the disciples had what I would call a false security. They had a carnal security. Josh, they had a really carnal security. Here was their security. They could fall asleep because they were rolling with Jesus. Jesus got it covered. He's the Messiah. He's going to be king. We're going to be good. It's going to be all right. Jesus got this under control. That's what they thought. They, they were so blind, they did not realize he was dead serious that he would die and be crucified. And so they're sleeping because they don't understand what's coming because they are carnal-minded. And so Jesus is saying to them, you think that because who you're associated with, you're going to be automatically included in this victory, but you, you got to realize you need to watch and pray. And some of you who come to church to check the box, you think that checking the box for church is all good, but stop checking the box for church and start checking your heart because you might have a carnal security thinking that everything God promised you will just by itself magically come, not realizing that promises from God take partnership with God. It demands a partnership with him. It demands it. There's a carnal security we have. Let me wrap this up. Point number three coming up. Matthew 6, 26, 41. I'll read it to you again. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pastor, is it all bad news? The answer is no. There's really good news. And I don't know if you read that, but there's really good news. And here's the good news. That the spirit of a man is willing to seek the heart of God. This is so big. This is really important for each and every one of us to understand that in the depths of your heart, in the depths of the innermost part of you, beyond the weakness of your flesh, beyond your tiredness, beyond your, your lack of understanding of the things of God, beyond you might not know a lot about God, and that's all right. Maybe you're here in church first time, long time, first time ever. That's good. That's great. But I want to tell you that something in your soul, deep in your spirit, man, is yearning and calling to the Father. It's that moment where... You've checked Netflix, you've checked Hulu, you've checked Amazon Prime, you did as much scrolling on Facebook you could, you checked everything on Instagram, nothing amused you on TikTok, 
can't even get into Twitter. You, you can't put anything else in your Amazon cart. There's nothing left on Pinterest for you to look at. And there's something, I got all of y'all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's nothing left that satisfies. And you're, you're, you're sitting in your home, in your house, in your, in your car, and this gnawing question in the back of your heart is eating away at you. What next? What now? The night is young, it's 8.30, and you're sitting at home, and you're just looking for something to occupy your time. But that, that, ugh, that angst you feel is really your spirit man saying, feed me. I want time with my father. There's something on the inside. Point number three is real simple. The strength of the watchman is the spirit. And not the spirit of God. It's your spirit to seek God. See, this year is going to demand that you feed your spirit over your flesh. That there must be an intentional pursuit and building of the inner man in order to no longer gratify the desires and the lusts of the flesh. And maybe you're new to church and I challenge you to stay on a healthy diet of the word of God, of worship with God, and fellowship in the community of believers. Fellowship is one of the most critical pieces, finding people in the body to connect with, to meet with, to make friends with, because that is the key part. You can't do this walk by yourself. You can't come in and out of church and hide. Come in and out and hide. You got to find somebody to build community with. Be consistent. Challenge you to live a lifestyle of repentance. Don't think that one moment at the altar takes care of everything. The Lord might remember or remind you of things you need to come to repent and forgive. For those who've been in church a long time, maybe your job today is to repent that you've been apathetic and you've been just really like not on fire for the Lord the way you should. And every, every year you go on this roller coaster ride with Jesus. And by February, by the middle of it, when the 14th comes around and you're still single for the thousandth year of your life, you're like, oh God, I don't need nobody but you. But you're sitting here depressed that you're single still. I don't want to hear that. Okay. We're on this roller coaster. We're on this roller coaster. Ups and downs with God. And our faithfulness is often dependent on what have you done for me lately. But I challenge you, seasoned saints, you people who've been in the faith for one, two, three, four, ten, fifteen, twenty years, that it's time to get onto the place of watching and praying surrendering your time back to God surrendering your heart to the Lord when we do this God speaks he gives you word he enlightens you he empowers you he fills you may the heart of the Lord this year over this house in this month is to be a watchman for his glory to watch and to see what he will reveal to you. Would you stand to your feet as the prayer team makes their way up very quickly, very quickly, prayer team. No wonder if you're scheduled, just come. Just come. And then if you're in your seat, would you do me a favor 
or as you're standing there, would you bow your heads? And we bow our heads just out of reverence. We, we bow our heads out of reverence for the presence of God, not because something spooky or weird is going to happen, but just because we're going to reverence God. And in a moment, I'm going to invite people to come to the altar. I want to forewarn you, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. And I want to tell you that some of you, everything in you will tell you to not come forward for prayer. You're going to feel an urge, maybe something in your heart, in your, maybe butterflies in your stomach, maybe a, feel like just a gut punch, but the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, if you're here today and you are not secure in your salvation, you don't know, and maybe you know for a fact you've never said the sinner's prayer, you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you have, but you have walked away and you need to recommit. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand as high as you can with no shame right here, right now. If you know that you need Jesus, come on. There's hands popping up. Come on, there's hands popping up. Yeah, come on. If you're online, if you're online, there are people waiting to pray with you. Now, if you raise your hand that you need salvation, I want to challenge you right here, right now. Before I even get to the next part of the altar call, I want you to make your way down the central aisle. We want to pray with you right here, right now. If you put your hand up boldly, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Come now. Don't wait for nobody else. Just come. 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 Come now. Yeah, yeah. Come, come, come. Come on. There's room. There's room at the cross. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Now, if, if you're here and you know that there is a spiritual laziness gripping your life, there's an apathy coming after you, there's, there's something more that you know God wants to do with you and do in your life, but you have not allowed God to do it for whatever reason, I want to give you an opportunity after I pray to come up and to walk in repentance towards the Lord. There are individuals in this room who God has called every single one of you to be a person of prayer and watchfulness. And today we set things straight in our hearts. Amen. Come on, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you for a moment. And if that's you, when I say amen, you come right up. Don't forget, don't worry about nobody else. You come right up if you know God is touching your heart. We want to agree and encourage you today. Father, you know every person who's in need to hear this word that they would answer the call in this moment, that they would come to know you and your grace, that they would come to surrender in the name of Jesus, that they would come for repentance in the name of Jesus. Some of you know God, but you need to be known by God in this season even more, and I want to challenge you to come and receive prayer. Come on, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If that's you, come now. Forget everybody else. Just come right now. This is between you and the Lord.